When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith here with Espo and Gerald Borgay. And guys, we got a Woj bomb right before the show started. Are you excited for this? Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm still uh, sad from what happened this morning. Today is a very uh, dark day for me as I took a giant L on Southwest Bias to the old man, Craig Morgan. Uh, he debased himself to win, and that's okay. So, uh, <laughs> Did he, Espo? Did he? Not really. Uh, but <laughs> I like to say that just so I feel better about what I have to say after this. I need to make it very clear that the 1993 Phoenix Suns, who are uh, celebrating their 30th anniversary of their trip to the finals, never stood a chance against the Chicago Bulls in any way, shape, or form. Oh, no. They were facing off against a basketball god that was Michael Jordan. Uh, there was never any hope or any way that Phoenix should have believed that they could have won that series. John Paxson uh, is just one of the best uh, teammates that a man could have and one of the best three-point shooters we've ever seen. And uh, and Suns fans never should have had any hope in that moment. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's just where we are in this world. That's brutal, man. <laughs> <laughs> so in case y'all are confused, uh, Southwest Bias is our new debate show here at PHNX, and Espo lost to Craig Morgan today. And that was him uh, paying off the debts that he owed because Espo, unfortunately, again, did not win his Southwest Bias debate today. Hashtag um, alternate facts. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys haven't checked out that show, you should. It's, it's, it's a really short, fun debate show that happens every Thursday at 11. Correct, Espo? Correct. And I suggest you go watch last week's episode <laughs> because this week's episode is about to disappear off the face of the planet. It never happened. So Espo does have all the passwords. So if you haven't seen it, hurry, run before he deletes it. <laughs> all right. Well, Espo, I'm glad that you're a man of your word and you pay up your bets. But now it is time for us to get into the news and notes that have happened around social media um, and the Phoenix Suns and the NBA over the last 24 hours, starting with the Woj bomb. So just shortly, a few hours, like an hour or so ago, Woj tweeted out the Utah Jazz are trading Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland for Lowry Markkinen, Ochai Abaji, Colin Sexton, three unprotected first round picks and two pick swaps. Sexton has agreed to a sign and trade deal to join the Jazz. How are y'all feeling about this? I can tell you, I was sitting in the office of uh, the former co-host of this show, Saul Bookman. 
uh, who we let go again after yesterday's <laughs> appearance. And uh, we, we had just wrapped up a meeting and got the alert. And they're literally, we audibly both were kind of gasped at the calves. Really? Mm -hmm. The calves? We hadn't heard any indication that they were in the mix. And uh, hey, uh, it sucks to be a Knicks fan, but that's a universal thing. I, I was shocked by the deal, uh, but Utah got a great haul. It's amazing. I actually think this may be one of the first times in NBA history that both teams got worse in a deal. <laughs> I don't think the Cavs are that are better necessarily, and Utah obviously embraced the full tank. So, all right then. I mean, I, I like this deal for the Cavs and for the Jazz. Obviously, the Jazz they are setting their sights in a different direction. We knew that after the Rudy Gobert trade, the haul that Danny Ainge got back in terms of draft compensation, similar type deal here. They're not really getting much in terms of players. I mean, they are getting Colin Sexton who is going to be free to take shots to his heart content now in Utah. Um, but other than that, it's kind of Lori Markinen and a hall of picks, which they're going all in on the tank. So it makes sense for them for the Cavs. I like this deal. Donovan Mitchell is an upgrade on Colin Sexton. He and Darius Garland are a pretty good backcourt there's still going to be defensive issues with Mitchell, especially if he brings the effort that he brought in the last couple of seasons in Utah, but like they've got two really good players behind them in Jared Allen and in Evan Mobley, who are really great defenders that should help cover up for some of his deficiencies on that. end. I think the Cavs, I wouldn't put them in the title contender conversation, but I think they did take a step up the ladder a little bit. And more importantly, this is good news for the Suns because even if they don't get, involved in this particular deal as a three-team trade the utah jazz basically put up their sign that they're having a fire sale mm -hmm. so all bets are off as far as the remaining pieces that they have on this team that could be shipped off to teams that are in need of more depth pieces like the suns look the Cavs got walmart devin booker and donovan mitchell okay right? but I hold on i did see a really <laughs> funny tweet that said the cat or the jazz traded donovan mitchell for now we got donovan mitchell at home <laughs> so it kind of all comes full circle there i thought that was a, a really funny tweet yeah <laughs> I, I i just I, donovan mitchell is good colin sexton is okay like i don't everybody like the whole collective of nba twitter lost its ever-loving mind at this and i think when it kind of the dust settles i think everybody's gonna be like okay, so the Cavs are a middle-of-the-road team now in the Eastern Conference rather than, you know, a, a bubble playoff team with where they were looking. So, like... To be fair, that's right. exactly what people said about the Suns when they traded for Chris Paul. So Yeah, I'm, but we have Devin Booker, they have Donovan Mitchell. That's all you need to know. So I get it, but you got to take steps to get good again. Like, they were all... They should have been a playoff team until they lost both the play-in games... And then, you know, their kind of whole season went down the crapper in those two games. But they were also, I think someone was, I think Jared Allen was hurt in those two games. Um, and they, you know, if they jump from a seven, eighth best team in the East to four or five, that's progress for them. I mean, 
you got to start somewhere. And in Cleveland, it's not like you're going to be signing all these max free agents anyway. So well, that's you gotta do fair. what you got to do. That, They're that's definitely fair. not a destination location, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. When I when I said uh, Sacramento was the worst city in the NBA, oh, I probably forgot <laughs> Cleveland. I probably should have given Cleveland one of those top three spots followed by two Sacramentos or, or sandwiched <laughs> between two Sacramentos. So you're right. Cleveland <laughs> has to do things like this to get – get star players. I mean, they lucked into LeBron twice, but other than that, you, you really have to make this kind of move to get anybody there. I, I kind of feel bad for Donovan Mitchell because he had to go from Utah to Cleveland, <laughs> neither tough. place really where Low you want to be. So Loki, I think it's an upgrade. Yeah. He's, well, he's going in the right direction at least very slowly, but he's going. It's, it's right definitely direction. an upgrade. I'm just saying like, like Cleveland has a cute little downtown area. Like they're, they're trying out there. Hey, and, and Cleveland isn't as racist as Utah. Let's just be honest. We've heard what Utah crowds say. So, yeah, you said it, not me. But OK, let's keep going, <laughs> because um, a lot of people we had one person saying in the chat, I don't think this affects the Suns. Well, here's how it could potentially affect the Suns. Right. Because everyone else in the chat is like, I hope JJ is on the phone right now calling people up to add something into this roster. So Woj also followed up with a tweet saying, Utah still has coveted veteran trade assets, including Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley Jr. They'll approach an OKC-esque haul of draft assets once they're done dealing. Jazz consider Markinen, Sexton, and Abaji keepers for their rebuilding roster. So should uh, James Jones be on the phone right now? Yes, give me any of those three. I'd take any of those three and throw in Vanderbilt as well if uh, if they're willing to part with him. I, I think, uh, you know, with the price being probably first-rounders and expiring contracts, I am perfectly fine with uh, with James Jones picking up that phone, saying to Danny Ainge, uh, you name the picks, uh, we'll give you the, the, the expiring contracts, let's uh, – Let's make this better. I, I really am frustrated because I said something similar on Twitter and people like, well, you got to save all the assets in case some, you know, somebody like uh, KD is available. And I'm like, no, you got to make your team better and, and put yourself in a position to win this year. That's got to be first and foremost. You can't play a waiting game trying to see if, if some lottery tickets going to cash in at some point, if you have the opportunity to go out there and get some of these guys from Utah, Utah and bolster your bench, fill those things, those holes that caused you problems last year, you do it and you do it as quick as you can. Yeah. I, I think I see both sides to this, perspective because i understand not wanting to wait around for this perfect blockbuster game-changing trade to materialize you can't approach it that way but i've also kind of been on the fence of it's not the end of the world if this team runs it back and maintains that flexibility should a kevin durant or a shea gilgis alexander become available in a couple of months um, but i do think some of these players that we're looking at with the jazz the two in particular that stand out to me jordan clarkson and jared vanderbilt those are guys you could trade for without sacrificing the flexibility that you'll have later on if one of those blockbuster trades becomes available. So if you can upgrade your bench and still maintain that option, should Kevin Durant or Shea or somebody else down the line you know, request a trade or become on the trade block, then you can swing that trade as well. So Jordan Clarkson, I, I've talked about this before. I have mixed feelings about him because he is a guy who can create his own shot. He's a scorer. 
you know, everybody, we know what he does and he does it well, but he's not a great three point shooter and the shot selection can be a little worrisome. And I would need to see him defend at a high level on this particular Suns team to warrant those minutes. That being said, you do need a campaign alternative if he turns back into a pumpkin. And I do love Jared Vanderbilt. Like he is a very good defensive player and he would help a lot with the Suns rebounding issues, especially at that four spot. Because no matter who you're starting, if it's Jay Crowder, if he's still on the roster or Cam Johnson, you need rebounding at that four spot. It was one of their Achilles heels last year. I think Vanderbilt averaged like nine rebounds a game last season for the Timberwolves. So He's only on, I think he's on like a $4 million contract. He'd be a really great value pickup if they could find a way to swing it and satiate Danny Ainge's lust for draft picks. Look, I feel like you can trade, and we'll talk about Jay Crowder in a second, but a guy like a Jay Crowder and a pick and still keep your flexibility to go big game hunting as well. But I just feel it's short-sighted to think just hold on to everything and uh, if you get the opportunity to make yourself better, because uh, there, there's whatever path to a superstar is going to be focused around a McHale or a DA and that area. And one pick I don't think is going to make make the difference, nor is trading one of your expiring. So, so if the Jazz uh, are looking to just add uh, add a pick for one of these guys, I think you have to consider it very seriously to try to make a move. If it's one pick, I agree. If, they, if they're pushing for two, which you know Ainge is going to, and they hold out on that ransom of two first-round picks, that kind of takes you out of the running if you do want a Kevin Durant or an SGA. Uh, and someone in the chat asked, what's the appeal with SGA? He's just another point guard. I don't think he would fit well. He is really, really good. Like He is one of the craftiest scorers in the NBA He's kind of wasting away on a Thunder team that's not going to be good this year. They just lost their number two overall pick for the season to an injury. Like there's a chance he could become disgruntled and he would be both a short-term help as far as being able to stagger Chris Paul and SGA with that bench unit and a long-term help because he would be Chris Paul's long-term successor and he's under contract for the foreseeable future. That would be a really good get if the Thunder do make him available down the line. So you guys mentioned not wanting to have to throw in too many draft picks, um, but there is somebody who potentially could be added should there be a trade between the Suns and the Jazz, and that is the one and only Jay Crowder, uh, mm. not just because he's on an expiring contract, but also because he's at his shenanigans again. And it seems <laughs> like we are um, at the point where it is very obvious that Jay is disgruntled and a little upset about what 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 we're not entirely sure. But he's upset about something because uh, Jay pinned a comment on his Instagram page, I believe, last night from a fan who said something along the lines of uh, that he should be a member of the Miami Heat. And I went to look at it before the show so we could pull a screenshot of that for you guys. But lo and behold, the Instagram has been deleted. The entire Instagram page is gone now. <sighs> this is frustrating. <laughs> this one bothers me. <laughs> It's too much, man. We're, there's too much going on on the outside right now. I can't. I'm sorry. If I if Jay Crowder, I'm I'm talking to you, Jay, directly, man to man. If you're this upset, stop dicking around by liking comments and pinning comments and all this. Just say you're upset. Ask for the trade or say what you're upset about. Don't do this whole. You know, I'm kind of. I'm not going to really admit it. Just admit it. Just be just man up about it and just admit it. I hate that term. I, I hate I mean, the man up term. Just just admit it. 
I mean, we don't know if he's already done that behind the scenes. Like we don't, we haven't gotten a chance to talk to him all summer. So we don't know. But it's petulant to do if you've said it behind the scenes and then yeah. you're just going to sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to pin this tweet. Everybody's going to notice and then I'm going to delete my Instagram. Like, just say it. <laughs> Enough with these games. I hate the games in sports with social media. Like, I'm all for a good trolling job or some funny stuff. But to me, this is this is just annoying. Like, just just admit to it if, if there's something major and you want out of a place. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get it. I just I don't put that much stock in it. I understand as a as a fan why it would be upsetting, especially because like people are turning on Jay now and they're saying, you know, just get him off the team if he wants out. But like people forget that he was a fan favorite for this team not that long ago, like the whole salsa dancing, the toughness that he brings, the veteran leadership, all that stuff that we've been praising him for for the last two years. I'm I'm just not of the opinion that you just turn on a guy that quickly, especially if it's something that does seem petulant and can be worked out. He could just be trolling. Someone brought that up in the comments as well. But yeah, I, I get why it's frustrating, especially with the way that the season ended and how much, how many questions we've had to ask about this current group and their chemistry. It, it doesn't help matters. So I get that. Well, and let me be clear. I like Jay. I like mm-hmm. Jay, the player. I like what he brings. We looked at him as a leader, right? Well, if mm-hmm. you're a leader, you, you don't do these things on the fringes like this. Like mm-hmm. if, if there's a problem, just come out and say it. If he's trolling fine, but still it's, it, it's a bit much and it's, it's kind of a distraction in general. So I, I still love Jay. If he's here, I, I I love what he brings to the table. The man made me a lot of money on DraftKings. I'm not going <laughs> to complain about him. I just don't like the the drama that's created with this for no good reason, right? Um. So I found the actual – somebody screenshotted it, and I found it. So basically Jay's caption said, they didn't believe in me, God did. And then the fans' comment said, at Miami Heat, believe the man, pay the man, we want him back. And that's the that's the actual comment that Jay um, had pinned on that Instagram post. For me, I think the biggest thing is like the first couple times that we had brought up this kind of pettiness or whatever you want to call it. I was on Jay's side of like, is it really that like when he tweeted out the change is inevitable and I'm looking mm-hmm. for some change or something. And I'm like, maybe he's talking about business or maybe, <laughs> I was I was making every excuse in the world for Jay. Yeah. At this point, though, it's becoming because it is public facing, right, and in in what would be considered like a fan space, I think social media is more for fans, right? Like players have social media to connect with fans, to share things with fans. Um, I think that's why there's so many upset, angry Suns fans who once loved Jay Crowder. And that's not to say that they absolutely hate him now, but it's just like, it's almost like a dig at us. You know, like it, it feels like, like you're just straight up telling us you don't want to be here without without using the exact phrase, and yeah. it hurts. Yeah, it does hurt. I get it, but the reason that we love him is the same reason that people are turning on him now. Jay Crowder is famously petty. Like this is who he is. It's what you this love about him, and it's what you hate about him when he's not on your team or when he's apparently trying to get himself removed from your team. I don't know. So I don't know. I, I just I don't take it that seriously. I guess. I'm- 
my lawyer, so says Jay in the chat, always looking at the business side of things, says maybe Jay wants to convey his feelings without killing the son's bargaining power by overtly saying he wants out. Let's be honest. They don't have a lot of bargaining power when it comes to Jay Crowder's expiring contract. They'll get if it's just Jay and and nothing else in a the deal, they're going to get a second round pick or salary filler. Like nobody's giving up anything of major value for a year of Jay Crowder at this point, especially I think this is more damaging than saying, hey, I'd like out. I'd like the opportunity to play elsewhere if I'm not going to be a starter or whatever the case may be. So I don't know if I buy into that because outside of Phoenix, where has this been like a big story? I don't maybe Miami because they love Jay there and they want him back. But like, I feel like if he made an outright trade demand, then the, the national headlines are what's wrong with the Suns? What's wrong with their chemistry? Why does Jay Crowder want out? And it's all this shit. And then they lose like Jay Crowder is already not going to get you a return in and of himself. If he outright says, I want off, I want out of Phoenix, then it gets even lower. So I feel like I would much rather prefer these kind of shenanigans that we can write off as trolling or write off as just him being upset, something you can blow over than straight up. I don't want to be here. But the thing is that like, I would respect him more if he was just said straight up, I don't want to be here because this feels like subtweeting. Like, bro, just add us already. You know what I mean? mean? And Mustav in the chat says Jay doesn't owe the fans anything, to be honest. And you're you're absolutely correct. He does not owe the fans or us anything. This is his career. He 100% should do what he thinks is best. But I just feel like I'm being subtweeted, and I don't (laughs) like it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. And, and Gerald, you can't tell me that general man – I know it's not a story – you can't tell me that general managers don't know the shit's going on if they're looking at trading for a player. Like, mm. come on, they know. And and that's the kind of thing that I'm – if I'm a GM, I'd much rather have him come to me behind closed doors, say I want out, not say anything on social. And if it gets out through the media, so be it. Like, I'm fine with that. But this just seems – childish but how do we know he didn't already do that got rejected and this was his way of dealing with like we don't know what's going okay on but if you got rejected doors. go scorched earth like if, if you're the big <laughs> man you think you're a hey, go scorched earth just but like again, you did yeah. when you salsa danced on uh on lebron but like, again that hurts the suns he's doing the suns a favor by not going scorched earth like <laughs> we could we could play this hypothetical game all day <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that's the latest with the Jay Crowder shenanigans on social media. I'm sure we'll have another one for you guys next week. So hang tight, everybody. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I'm just going to announce it. We've traded Saul for Jay Crowder. That's what's going <laughs> on. So. That's what's happening. So just give us a few weeks. We're working through the logistics, finalizing the contracts, and then Jay will be here in the new studio <laughs> with us. Okay, we're going to take a quick break uh, before we get into our Unsung Heroes segment of the day because I want to remind you guys that COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov slash findvaccine for a location near you. Also, we have more free stuff for you. We always have free stuff for you, it seems like. Um, And I want to make sure that you guys are entering in for your chance to win our Flavoring Life sweepstakes with our partner over at OG's. One winner is going to receive three bags of OG's, including their orange cream sickle and tropical flavors. You're also going to get an OG's hat, a PHNX shirt of your choice, and a PHNX annual membership. To sign up for this sweepstakes, all you have to do is head on over to gophnx.com 
or click the link in our show notes. You can sign up today. You can sign up tomorrow. Every single day, you can enter multiple times in this sweepstakes. So make sure you are doing that. And um, if you don't want to wait until the end of the month, you can always check out OGs online at ogsbrands.com. Find them on Instagram at ogsbrands or at your local dispensary, but you must be 21 years or older to purchase. And Chris is in the chat right now in case you guys are not entirely sure. Like, do they actually pick winners? Do they send it out? Chris won one of our sweepstakes yesterday. And yes, I promise you, we actually send it out. We deliver um, just like Espo pays his bets, we pay our sweepstakes to all of you guys. So mm-hmm. make sure you're signing up. To to be to be fair, I, I still owe Sundress Dunks a uh, prize pack from our draft show. So Dang, most Espo. of the time we pay. Espo, <laughs> you just let me out here and like tell straight lies to the people. I, I didn't want you to catch catch strays in the chat if Sundress wanted to throw that together, out there. Together, my guy. I'm going to send him something super special once uh, <laughs> once I figure out what that is. <laughs> Lord, I'm not drinking a Bud Light, by the way, as the chat asked. It's a, it's a soda. It's a sugar-free soda. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, let's dive into our next unsung hero of the week. Today, we are going to be discussing Ryan McDonough and how many flowers slash credit does he deserve for the turnaround of the Phoenix Suns as we know them today. So the bullet points we're going to talk about. He drafted Devin Booker 13th overall in 2015. He drafted DeAndre in first overall in 2018. And he traded for Mikel Bridges on draft night in 2018. So let's first talk about Devin, that 13th overall pick. The man we all know and love. He's the face of the Phoenix Suns. Um, Espo, you want to start with this one? Oh, I mean, let's be honest. It speaks for itself. He got the best value in that draft at the 13th pick, right? Some will say, oh, he lucked into it. If you're gonna if you're gonna try to discredit a guy for the picks he misses on, you have to give him credit for the picks that he hit on, right? And he hit on Devin Booker. He's going to wind up being the greatest son of all time. We've talked about it on this program. He will he will surpass Walter Davis as the highest scoring son uh, ever in short order too. As long as he doesn't get injured, knock on wood, uh, he'll he'll surpass him in short order. So, if you're the guy that drafted the greatest son ever, the guy that led you to a finals after 10 years of, of darkness, a guy who finished fourth in MVP voting in the year that they had the best record in Suns history. You damn well are, oh, deserve some credit for that. And you got to remember, right? The, the starting lineup when Ryan McDonough inherited this team was Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, uh, Gerald Green, Alex Len and Channing Fry. I mean, that was the lineup you ran out there. You can't wait, deny wait. that the lineup when he, inherited, when he left I th- was when he inherited. I thought he drafted Lynn. Well, no, actually, the, he he came in three weeks before that draft. It wasn't his own scouts, all that. Okay. And if you remember, that, that whole thing was was a, a shit show in and of itself. That draft because there was rumors five minutes before the draft that Alex Len was going number one. Right, you know, in that draft, Anthony Bennett goes one. It was just mm. a a mess of of a draft in and of itself, anyway. So, right, but didn't he did trade 
was he the one who traded Louis Scola for Gerald Green and Miles Plumley? Yes. So yeah, cuz he was tearing it down. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean he he made that deal, which was right. in part because Luis actually requested to to leave the Suns because he didn't want to be part of a rebuild as well, so. Right. And he like the Devin Booker thing is obviously the pin in his cap as far as his time as a Suns GM because that is something that you can point to that was him. That was terrific value to get any good player that late in the lottery is usually a good thing. And to get the star of your franchise, like you said, the greatest player in Suns franchise history, likely when he's done, like you can't beat that kind of value. Um, and, and I will give him credit because when he first took over, he understood the situation that he was walking into as far as like, this team is not going anywhere. We need to tear down, start over fresh. And he, they kind of fell ass backwards into a really good team. Like that was the year that we thought they were going to tank and they won 48 games and just narrowly missed the playoffs. And that puts you in a tough position where you have to build from the middle. You, like you can't build from a complete teardown. You, you're not a title contender. So you have to get those middle moves right. And I think a lot of those proved to be tricky because it's hard to build from the middle when you exceed expectations by about 30 some games in the win column. Well, that, and that gave Robert Sarver hope. He thought, Oh, we can win now. So then you see trying to get LaMarcus Aldridge, which was a push from ownership. They have a meeting with LeBron James, those kind of things. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, the, Dumb luck was probably the biggest the biggest issue in those first few years. But we bring up we bring up that he drafts book in in fifteen, but the year before uh, in the two thousand fourteen draft with pick fourteen, he he drafted T J Warren, a guy that say what you will about his, his injuries here, but he's proven to be a very effective scorer in the NBA when he's healthy. Right, he mm-hmm. he's been a guy that has been good i mean you go ask those indiana fans where uh, before he got injured there and he was having a hell of a year for for that team you know so and and people expect him to to kind of return to that for the nets this year so he was very good somehow at finding uh finding talent in those middle in those middle uh, picks there in, in the first round uh we know what happened at the top of the draft though was he <laughs> Was he also behind? Was he there in time for the Eric Bledsoe trade? Because I know it was like yes. that. Okay, it was Jared Dudley and what a, a second round pick for that Eric was a good Bledsoe. trade too. And I I've, and I've said this about the Isaiah Thomas sign in trade that they orchestrated as well. It didn't work out in the long term, and this was kind of one of the things that was a recurring theme for me when looking back at Ryan McDee's history was the individual value of the deal was good. Like getting Isaiah Mm -hmm. Thomas for what they gave up was fantastic, especially at that price tag. And he wound up being a six man of the year candidate, but it was one of those things where not being able to read the room or read the situations, the players, the chemistry, the off court stuff came back to bite him a little bit. And I'm sure we'll get into all of that, but like he he did make some good moves. Like when we hear Ryan McDonough, a lot of Suns fans like cringe or they think about the misses, but he did make some good value moves before things started to kind of unravel. I also think you could make the argument that goals were not entirely clear for mm-hmm. a lot of Ryan McDonough's um, time with the Suns because at one point in time in the season, you could say the goal was to tank. 
and get a higher draft pick, but you could turn around the next day and be like, no, we want to win and we want to win now. Mm -hmm. It seemed like the goals were always flip-flopping. So it's kind of like, okay, can we get on the same page here? (laughs) And you can't get on the same page when the person who's turning the pages um, gets to call the shots more than you do. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a chaotic situation the entire time. I mean, uh, there's all sorts of, stories that we've heard the goat crapping in his office like that that sarver put up there because he thought it was funny uh different demands that happened that caused uh caused certain moves to be made and others not to be made like i don't think this was exactly uh the wheel wasn't always in his hands but Mm -hmm. he did to your point gerald and he'll be the first to admit this i mean uh, he's admitted to me in the past that the the human side sometimes was overlooked that it wasn't it wasn't fully understood in, in certain situations you know and that's you know that was the downfall and and a lot of it was on paper guys looked great you know the moves made sense in most cases but together it was combustible in a lot of ways you know and and not all the front office was was him either i mean lon babby had uh, had a thumb on the scale for a large portion of that. And uh, I think some of the players that uh, that weren't happy when they left had had some issues there too. So I, I'm not absolving him of, of the issues. I think there certainly were flaws, but right. uh, you can't deny Devin Booker <laughs> being mm-hmm. an unbelievable uh, player and what he was able to do uh, here, what he's been able to do here. And Ryan McDonough was the guy that drafted him. So. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think, to your point, this is going before we move on to like the 2018 draft. The Devin Booker draft pick was kind of an indication. Yes, there were a lot of misses that we will get into. I'll, I definitely will be getting into those. But like the Devin Booker thing was an indication that he did have the knack for identifying talent. Like we've talked about this before, but like the trade for Eric Bledsoe, the trade for Isaiah Thomas, drafting TJ Warren at the end of the lottery, drafting Bogdan Bogdanovich with the 27th pick, um, you know, PJ Tucker, D'Anthony Melton, Derek Jones Jr., Daniel House Jr., all these guys that kind of came out of nowhere as like minimum pickups and wound up, you know, wound up having an impact on other winning teams after they left the Suns and went to a more stable environment. Like, Yes, there were a lot of misses, but he did have a penchant for picking up some decent players that wound up being a lot better when they got onto better teams. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you mention Daniel House in that list? You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dev- Davon Reed, who's who's found a role uh, in Denver, was one of his second round picks. Like there, uh, there, like you said, there's guys that that he certainly found. He had that eye for talent, and uh, especially and around he, the fringes. So, there. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Mm-hmm. You can't deny. We all know what Gerald's going to talk about when we <laughs> when we look at the negatives. You can't deny right. any of that for sure. Well, let's just dive right in. He drafted DeAndre in first overall in 2018. This one is controversial, to say mm-hmm. the least. Where you, you guys fall on this? Look, I've always said the goal here, and this is the jury is still technically out. Obviously, Luke is going to be the better individual player, but I've always said the best case scenario for the Suns is this winds up being like the 1984 draft when the Rockets took Hakeem Olajuwon number one overall and Michael Jordan fell to number three. Yes, Jordan was the better overall player, 
but the Rockets wound up winning two titles with Akeem. He was a multiple-time All-Star, All-NBA selection, Defensive Player of the Year, like you name it, he was a stud. And the Rockets were vindicated for that pick because they won titles. If the Suns win a title with DA, then you know what? As much as Luka was still probably the right pick, at least you won a title. At least you can defend yourself for taking the slightly lesser player in that regard. My thing is you have to win a title to do that. And like DA is not Hakeem in terms of the number of accolades that he's going to rack up in his career. He's not going to be that same caliber guy. So you absolutely have to win a title and you have to hope that the Mavs and Luca never do the same because it's always going to be a competition because that's just how it is being a number one pick. Like that's, that's the name of the game. Well, and, and look, I've never been able to confirm this, but somebody in the chat said, all signs pointed to him wanting Luca. You know, you hire mm-hmm. his coach. All these things. I don't know. I've never gotten an answer <laughs> to that question. And believe me, I, I, I've asked it multiple times and never, never got the answer to that question. But uh, you know, I, I just look at it, and there was two other GMs that passed up on Luca too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sacramento drafted Marvin Bagley, and Atlanta made the trade and took Trey Young. And you can say what you want about Trey Young, but I think when it's all said and done, I have a feeling him and, and Aiton will be on a similar level. Uh, so even, even the Hawks didn't, didn't take Luca. So it's not as if he was the only guy that passed up on him too. And I'm not but defending it. <laughs> but I'm not, I, I get it. I'm not, I, I'm not defending it because in the end, Luca will be at the better player. He is right now. Right. But he's but, not, he wasn't alone in it. So, but DA did help get the Suns to the finals. We saw glimpses of what DA could be during that playoff run. And we all know also that historically, bigs take longer to develop in this league. So like you said, Gerald, off the top of your thing, like it still remains to be seen kind of exactly how this will all play out. But I'm happy with our DA pick. I might be in a smaller camp than most, but I'm happy with it. I mean, I'm happier than if they would have taken like Marvin Bagley, like the Kings did, or Mo Bamba, like because Mo Bamba came for a pre-draft workout here. He was in consideration for the number one pick. I there's a lot of people speculating like oh if Luca would have come here book wouldn't have been happy or book I wanted think it's DA. a fair speculation it's to not. entertain if uh, you're winning I, games if you're winning games with another ball dominant player it doesn't fucking matter but, but you're winning games. Let, let's be let's be frank here Luca's first real successful season in terms of winning was last year no they went to the playoffs the year before okay you went to the playoffs. You didn't win. De- Devin's first trip like, to the playoffs. He went to the finals. So yeah, and Devin had a lot more help than Luca did. If you look at those two I, rosters, it's night and day. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and do the team success thing. Like yes, Da played an absolutely vital role in that finals run, and I'm not trying to discredit that. But if we're saying like, oh, Luca didn't make a finals, like because Luca's roster was not as good. Like that's why. And he just knocked us out of the playoffs with that same DA that helped us get to the finals. So, like, what are we doing here? Like, we don't have to do that. We don't need to do the team success thing because if we're talking about draft picks, like, you want to play hypothetical, they could have drafted Luca. They could have went after Clint Capella and restricted free agency. So they didn't need to draft a center. They wanted to draft him, and they got him. 
And I believe in Aiton too. Like I, this is not to bash DeAndre Aiton in any way, but like we're kidding ourselves if we're going to say that Luca was not the right pick there. Uh, and and I and I've already made it clear that that he has proven that he would have been the right pick. But I also don't want revisionist history because it was there was a lot of people that felt people in the basketball world that felt was, that DeAndre Ayton was the right pick at the time. It was, was a legitimate, it was a legitimate coin toss as far as the conversation around them. You might say it was different as far as like scouts who had more eyeballs on different games of these players. But as far as the conversation around the NBA with these two players, it was a coin toss. Right. But that's the problem because the people that actually watched Luca play knew who the right pick was. That's what I'm saying. Well, both <laughs> teams, but they didn't though. They didn't because three teams passed up on him. So you can't sit there and say every scout and everyone undoubtedly knew Luca was the guy. There are people and there is a, a, a distinct group of, uh, of people that are newer age basketball people that looked at things and said it was that way. And I understand Gerald, you were one of them. Kellen Olson was one of those guys that pounded the table and I get it. There were people that saw that, but there was a large faction of NBA people, uh, including scouts and GMs that did not see it necessarily too. Uh, so uh, in, in the end, it was probably 50, 50, 60, 40, whatever you want to say it was, but it was not, Everybody said Luca's the guy, and the son said, "Screw everybody! We're going to take this completely unconventional idea." I don't know, man. I I think the U of A thing played a heavy factor in how people evaluated Luca. We had one of our own NBA uh, people here in Phoenix that was bashing Luca's character right before the draft, and it seems like the Dallas Mavericks seem to like his character now. They seem to like winning, so. I look, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I mean, to he did have DA. issues with a teammate. I'm just, I'm just saying he did run Chris Stops Porzingis out of there. Probably the best, most talented guy he's Stop had it. on the roster. <laughs> Stop it. Chris Stops. If we're talking about running Chris Stops Porzingis out, we're no, we're not doing that. But and there were issues. Gonna, if we're going to talk about issues, let's talk about walking off the court in the third quarter of a game. You are losing to said player who had issues and not coming back in the game because your coach doesn't want to play you. How about not we do that? Denying like, it. I'm just <laughs> like, I, I, like, I don't go there. We don't want to go there Gerald. is all I'm saying. We don't want to go there. <laughs> okay. Shall we move on? We can. <laughs> Before we literally break relationships apart with this Gerald, debate. I'll always love you the way you love Luca. All right? <laughs> Dude, I don't love Luca. He was just the right pick. Like, that was the pick. <laughs> Okay, McDonough also traded for Mikkel Bridges on draft night um, in 2018. Now, this one is questionable as far as should this be a McDonough thing because the rumors were that McDonough wanted SGA and was kind of overruled and forced into trading for Mikkel. Not kind of overruled. The story is that in the in the in the draft room. They had the deal done, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Sarver comes screaming saying they won't make the deal, so much so that the people on the other end of the phone in Oklahoma City can hear this, oh, and he man. said, no, we're not making this deal, and and overrode him at that, uh, and and then they, they wound up making the deal for McHale. So, wait, 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 hold on. I'm sorry. I just need to make sure I heard you correctly. 
When McDonough was on the phone with OKC, OKC people in the war room heard Sarver mm-hmm. come in and, and veto it? That's the way it's been told to me by by multiple sources. So. That sounds like a spicy conversation. <laughs> the, it, it is what it is. <laughs> I don't know like, what please to don't tell make you. me talk anymore. We're I can't tell you anything else. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I told you what I know. I, yeah. I, I was okay, not so, sitting in the room, but. So I think this one's interesting, right? Because we all clearly love Mikkel Bridges, mm-hmm. right? Yes. We can all agree on that. We love Mikkel Bridges. However, at the top of the show and over the last handful of weeks, we we have also been talking about how SGA would be huge for this Suns team, how mm-hmm. he could help impact now and also be an asset down the line. I've even seen people go as far as now. I don't think this is the main majority of people out there, but there are people in the camp of maybe we throw in Mikel Bridges for an SGA trade. You might have to, honestly. And that's that's where I struggle with this one. Cause I I do love Mikhail. And I think in that case, yes, SGA is probably the better individual player, but Mikhail has been a terrific fit as well. Just like DA in a in a certain sense, has been a really good fit for this team. He's helped them win at a high level. It's it's tough because you know, he's one of the best defenders, most versatile defenders in the league. And that did work out that trade. A lot of people were fretting over the the pick that they owed Miami or whoever it was, the Miami pick that they traded, like, Oh, that's going to be so valuable. And it didn't, you know, it's not going to wind up being that valuable, but uh, man, SGA would have been nice here. That's, that's what I'll say. But Mikhail did work out. And and the irony is that he winds up getting fired months later because the team didn't have a viable point guard. Right. (laughs) So, so what? Like, like that's just rubbing salt in the wound. Like, are sucks, you man. kidding me? If that's I were one. getting fired and that was the reason I would have given, I would have flipped the table. <laughs> Literally at, flipped the table. At some point, you probably just go, "Well, I don't have to deal with that anymore." <laughs> like, honestly, I don't know if I was supposed to say what I what I said a little it's, while it's, ago. It's out there, <laughs> out there now. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of. Uh, uh, this is a complicated one. There's, it's like an onion. There's many layers that you have to pull back, and still it smells no matter what you do. So, mm. Okay. Before we come to the final bullet points as far as um, personal reasons why we think McDonough deserves or doesn't deserve flowers and we give our actual flowers to him, we're going to take another quick break because I have some really cool things to tell you. So we have a new partner here at PHNX and All City. This is a company-wide partnership and we want to make sure you guys are in the know about Game Time. So Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. And you can save up to 60% on tickets when you buy them last minute using Game Time. It's a great option for all of us who are uh, procrastinators at heart who are like, yes, we're going to go to this concert or this game. And then it's the week of the concert and the game and you're like, oh, shoot, I don't have tickets. Well, Game Time is here to help you guys and myself out in this situation. And if you love PHNX, then we promise that you'll also love Game Time. And the best way to support us is by buying our tickets through the link that is in our show notes or the description of this show 
right now. So if you're looking to hit up a Cardinals game preseason or not, or you got a concert that you're eyeing coming up here in the future, check out game time for your tickets. Again, you can potentially get really great discounts and tickets are oftentimes we had a guy over at CHGO say he looked everywhere on the internet for tickets to a particular game and could not find them anywhere. When he went on game time, bam, they were right there and they were discounted. So Check it out. I'm gonna if bet you, guys you haven't heard some of that. cheap cheap tickets to that ASU game tonight against NAU on the Game Time app right now. So if you're bored and want to watch some mediocre football, uh, at least on the NAU side, <laughs> head on out there right uh, to the Game Time app. I'm not saying <laughs> ASU. No Shane's way. mad at you. <laughs> Just drop in to drop you a glance and get out. Um, speaking of games. The wait is almost over, you guys. A new football season is about to begin. I know our friends over at the PHNX Cardinals show are super stoked about this. And if you want to get ready the best way that you can for NFL Week 1 action, you should download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the promo code PHNX when you sign up. Because when you use that code... You're going to get $200 in free bets instantly after you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code PHNX only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I'm, I'm trying to find if the uh, ASU-NAU game actually has a line tonight. 20, 25 and a half. 25 and a half. Take NAU uh, and the points tonight. That's my DraftKings Sportsbook uh, pick of the week. I wish you guys who are listening on audio could see Shane's face to Espo's DraftKings pick of the week. Shane is not having it. No, he was he was all up in the camera there. He was yeah, not, it was not, not a happy camera. That. that was not the kind of view of the mustache that you want. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Let's head back to Ryan McDonough and his flowers. Is there any other additional thoughts here around why McDonough deserves or doesn't deserve flowers for helping the Suns reach the point at where they are now? Well, look, I think it's uh, I, I think it's been very clear. I, Gerald, I, you go ahead. I'll I'll cap it with something nice because I know where yes, you're going. Yes, so go ahead. The floor is yours, Mister Bulgay. Apparently, I'm the negative person on the show today. I'll I'll own it. Um, <laughs> Look, McDonough did some good things while he was here, but overall you look at the players that he drafted during a very draft-heavy time for this franchise. Yes, Devin Booker was a hit. Yes, DA and Mikael Bridges wound up being hits, even though you could argue he should have gone in a different direction. There are some that just did not work out. Alex Len at number five, even if he was only there for a couple of weeks. Josh Jackson, obviously. Josh Jackson was the pick, and so I will – defend him a little bit on this front like other people wanted him too yes i thought he was the best pick there especially you know i want i thought he was going to be the better player over jason tatum that did not work out so it's a good thing i'm not the sun's gm as well but it still wound up being a horrendous pick with a top five pick and you know there's just so many other misses as far as you know even you could point to like a tyler ulis or trading bogdan bogdanovich after drafting him they traded him for Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. And I was there at draft headquarters and I heard this giant cheer erupt from their war room above us where the media was situated. And that was right at the moment when they worked out the trade for Marquise Chris. And that was just a brutal draft for the foreseeable future in terms of what they were able to build with Bender 
and Chris. And, and you just look at some of the other things. I know that you said, Espo, this was an ownership push, but like going after LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, the Brandon Knight trade. Um, there's just, there's so many other things. The Trevor Reza signing, the Ryan Anderson signing. There were so many other things that just didn't work out or line up. And you could understand the rationale behind some of them. But it, it was just kind of a really brutal time in, in terms of building from the middle from not understanding the person element that goes into this business. Um, and, and it, it prevented the Suns from getting to where they are now for a while. You know, James Jones has been terrific and we can criticize some of the things he's done as well, but just seeing how quickly they were able to turn things around once that page was turned, it, it's, it's tough and it doesn't do a McDonough any favors in terms of looking back on his tenure. Okay. Real quick. I will defend him a little bit on the Trevor Ariza front because I'm not going to say Ryan McDonough got finessed by Trevor Ariza, but Trevor Ariza in the conversations was a completely different person than we got in Phoenix as mm. far as he goes. Like he got here and had issues with everything. He was angry from the moment he stepped foot in this city and he let everyone around him know that. And there were things that were like he was mad that we didn't have a training facility. Like, bro, you didn't know that before you signed the contract? Right. Like, that was obvious stuff. So I'll just give him a little bit of defense there on the Trevor Ariza thing. He Trevor Ariza was the attitude haver in the situation. Uh, Ariza even hated that the sideline reporter wore beanies when she wasn't on air. It was just, <laughs> that's, that's Ariza had just an attitude issue. Too far, Trevor, too far. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, he was never really mean to me, but he was mean overall. Yeah, he... I, I will say that when you give a guy a one-year $15 million contract like that, you are inviting great, though, yeah. you're inviting not so good things to happen. And he sure. was literally shipped out the first day that they could ship him out as soon as he became trade eligible in December. So mm-hmm. yeah. I'll say this. Bogdanovich wasn't ever gonna play here. So uh, they they had tried to get him over multiple times and uh I know because I have an authentic Bogdan Bogdanovich Suns jersey that they were going to give to him at one point. So uh, as, in he didn't, as in he didn't want to play here, or that was my understanding. He was never going to sign here. So because of because of book already occupying that two. No, I think or? because of the organization in general. So <laughs> I, yeah. uh, um, uh, real quick, Rick James does bring up a good point though. He said there's no Kelly Oubre without Ariza and no CP3 without Oubre. So I guess we owe Trevor Ariza for that. I don't here's, know. You all right, McDonough? Here's a pedal for you. <laughs> no, I don't know if turning <laughs> mediocre assets into good one, he deserves credit for getting the mediocre asset you, in the first place. You have place. to have the mediocre asset to turn it into a good one. Yeah, we'll give him guys, a pedal. Just give him a pedal, Gerald. <laughs> one single pedal. A, a rose pedal. <laughs> I'll say this, and, and I think it's pretty obvious that I, I like Ryan McDonough the person, and I've never mm-hmm. hid that. And I, right. I've admitted I'm somewhat biased because of of that uh, multiple times before he came in and as much as we want to look back and say, Oh, he, he had these problems and there were plenty of them. He took a team that had no direction under Lance blanks, had a scouting staff that was like 70 people, but nobody ever knew who half of them were uh, a guy that in, in Lance blanks that was never there he came in and he treated the uh, the staff and everybody with respect that that wasn't happening. 
uh, before he came in and, and he tried to implement a plan in terms of we can't be in the middle anymore. We can't stay here and and try to be an eighth seed. That's not going to not going to work. And right. he had plenty of misses. He had some hits in, in terms of Devin Booker, like we talked about. Uh, I'll just say I'm going to give him three four if we gave oh you're, we gave you're Earl, going straight for it we're going for the actual number yeah. well we okay. gotta go get well, I, I have one more thing i want to add okay, I, just do, I do also want to remind everybody that um just like we talked about with earl watson yesterday and just like we've talked about um anytime we bring up the sun's organization and the culture and all that stuff it is very difficult to be successful in a position where you're when you are supposed to have the decision-making power and that power is constantly pulled from underneath you. So, cause Jan Paul in the chat said, we need to know which one was Sarver intrusive picks and McD true picks. And we'll probably never know that mm. we will probably never know the answer to that, but you, you know, to ask the question and that in and of itself should show you exactly how difficult it must have been to be the general manager. When Ryan McDonough was the general manager for the Suns. That's all I'm going to say. I, yeah. I guarantee you, though, if Sarver is ever ousted or sells the team, McDonough is the first person we're going to want to talk to because at that point in time, I want to know how much was him and how much was Sarver because I I am curious about that because, like you said, Linz, you can't make these decisions. You can't do your job if you're not trusted, if you don't have people above you that are capable of delegating to you. I also do think there might be a reason that so, I mean, I guess the winning might be the reason, but it could just be the respect that James Jones has as opposed to McDonough in terms of having that trust and leaving him alone a little bit more. Well, I'm sure a lot of it too was, okay, James Jones and McDonough had a little bit of overlap there too, right? James probably mm-hmm. saw the way that McDonough had had things or didn't have things as far mm-hmm. as the full like power to make decisions. And I'm sure when James was having the conversation with Robert about taking over as a general manager, that was something that James Jones probably brought up said, Hey, we're not going to do it like you did way back when, if I'm doing this and I'm going to take this job, you're going to give me the reins entirely. Um, also Espo left our stream because he's so upset. He said, I don't want to be here. And he just dipped. Now he probably has internet issues. Um, no, we, we, we included him in the trade with Saul for Jay Crowder. We, we just so. got the news. Um, we got a Woj bomb that Espo is also included. And so we had to like nix him from the show. Uh, I'm not totally sure if Espo is going to be joining us. He could just come over here. I'm actually in the office right now. You just want to see, mm-hmm. see, 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 so just fall. kidding. You're not allowed oh. to see anything. Sorry. Tricked you. Um, do we have on, any, let me yell at him. Let me yell. We have, do we have any idea? How many stars or not stars? How many flowers Espo was thinking? He was, he had started around three. Okay. Okay. Well, why don't you go ahead? Why don't you go ahead and tell me how many flowers you're giving? I gave Earl Watson one. I'll give McDonough two. I think I'll go with two for McD because I'm tempted to go three, but. Got me. I'm sorry. Oh, there he is. I had to say. Do you want? Uh, no, it's fine. I don't need to hear you. I thought you were just so. Uh, that's <laughs> usually one of my uh, one of my rules on this show. I don't listen when Gerald talks. Where are we? So, so Gerald's gonna give his flowers. Okay. And he started off by saying, "If I gave Earl one, I'm gonna give McDonough two. Two. I'm between two and three, but I'm gonna go two. 
No, I'll, I'll go three. I'll go three because Mikhail, DA, and Book, I'll go three with him. I, I was worried, though, that Espo left because I was being so negative. Maybe he wasn't used to the negativity coming out of me. I don't know. Okay, I'll repeat to you what you said. You don't have said. to. I just I heard him say, blah, blah, blah. I didn't take Luca. No flowers for me. He All said right, can three, I get- three for the guys that, that we listed, Book, DA, Mikkel, and then he said he was mad because you left because he was being too negative. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I had to leave. Uh, and then I then I wound up showing up at Lindsay's house. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the magic of what happened today uh, is, is unbelievable. Look, I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give him three uh, because I think uh, that was right where I was with Watson. And I think if you're gonna give him that kind of credit, you got to give credit to the guy that brought in uh, the the future legend on the team in terms of Devin Booker. And you got to give him some credit in terms of deandre ayton but it was a mess and uh and that's the that's the truth of it in the end so you can't give him more than that but he deserves some some credit i'm gonna give him three and a half the exact same that i gave earl yesterday because i feel like these two um dealt with a lot of the same things and struggled in the same ways um Different, but same, if that makes sense. One was more analytical. One was more of a people person and then vice versa. So I'm going to go three and a half flowers for Ryan McDonough. Okay. Um, yeah. So there you so go. Where, where, where are we at with the flowers so far? I think I've given five to Rubio, one to Watson, and three to McD. So he's given five to Ricky, one to Earl, and three to Ryan. How many did you give to Ricky? Do you remember? I feel like four- I gave him... Six? I think I gave him four and a half. You gave me crap for going half. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure I gave Ricky six or six and a half because I gave him an extra flower for the hair, eyes, and eyelashes that everyone in the chat said that have to be included in our decision-making process. Um, I gave Earl a three and a half and Ryan a three and a half. Okay. Where are the Emmys? Can I steal one? I know. Everyone said, hurry, (laughs) grab an Emmy and run. (laughs) Okay, before we round out, I do want to tell you guys about more free stuff that we've got for you guys. So our toast of the month sweepstakes with our friends over at Four Peaks. This is a chance for you to win a $50 Four Peaks gift card, a PHNX shirt of your choice, and a PHNX annual membership. All you have to do is head on over to gophnx.com, sheesh. Or click the link in our show notes for you to sign up for a chance to win all of that great stuff. You do have to be 21 years or older to drink Four Peaks beer, and we ask that you enjoy responsibly. But if you couldn't tell yesterday from our show out at Four Peaks, it's a great time for literally everyone, your friends, your family. Like You can take the whole squad down to the Four Peaks Brewery, have a good time, eat some really good food. And if you're over the age of 21, drink some really good beer or a beer milkshake like Espo likes to do. Those are really solid too. So, you know, make sure you do that. Four Peaks, it's good beer. All right, gentlemen. That's going to do it for our show. Espo, thank you for coming over and uh, finishing it out with us. I'm glad I escaped uh, <laughs> for, for what I said earlier. So, <laughs> Charles in the chat said, Espo looks like Lindsay's brother waiting to go outside. Sheesh, <laughs> Lindsay, can we go? Wait, Brian just said. <laughs> I know. I read it. Oh, my bad. <laughs> oh, look, look, look who else showed up at my house, you guys. 
Look who it is. Wow. At the other Emmy. Let's run, Bookman. We, we all live here now. We all live here now. <laughs> the new studios are in Lindsay's house. Well, they got traded, and then they were like, hey, we don't have anywhere to live now because we, we don't got any more money. And I was like, you can stay at my place for a little while. I feel left out. Get other lights turning. What is going on around you? I know. We're a hot mess. Sorry, Gerald. You can come hang out with us tomorrow. Is this because of what I said about Luca? This is. is what it this is, is exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> okay. Thank you guys all for tuning in. We appreciate you. Um, we will see you again tomorrow, 2 p.m. on our YouTube page. Uh, this one tomorrow, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to want to miss it. It's our final Unsung Hero of the Week. And I know we're going to have a lot of big feelings about this one. And I'm sure you guys will as well. So make sure um, that is put in your calendar. Don't miss it. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at LindsaySmithAZ. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. And, of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. Remember, when you're telling things about, uh, about stories that were told to you, Try to remember which ones you're allowed to share publicly and which ones you're not. Ahoy, hoy! <laughs>